Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying... A, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, love at first, first listen. listen. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. With new segments, correspondence, and a new sound. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Dura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to Fox Sports Radio. Welcome back to another edition of Straight Out of Vegas. RJ Bell is out and about. I'm Bernie Frado. We're coming to you live from the Geico Fox Sports Radio studios, where 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Visit geico.com for a free Rate quote. Now, this is the weekend edition of Straight Out of Vegas. As you know, Straight Out of Vegas airs Monday through Friday right here on Fox Sports Radio, iHeartRadio from 3 to 6 Pacific, 7 p.m., or excuse me, 6 to 7 p.m. Eastern, with RJ Bell, Steve Fezzik, Brad Powers, and Jonas Knox. And each day, when they take you behind the scenes, they offer up solid commentary and insights on the world of sports betting so you can benefit from their years of expertise and knowledge. And on Saturday's edition of Straight Out of Vegas, we look back at the best of. And we'll take another look at some of the most compelling takes and analyses from the previous week so you can enjoy them again. Here's the best thing about the concept. Each of the best of takes are designed to look ahead to this week's NFL action. And during the week, the guys devote five full hours to providing the finest content. And on the weekends, we'll be distill it down to the best one hour. And of course, I add my own inflection as well because I live in Las Vegas too. And I've been privy to these gentlemen and their know-how for many years. So join us every Saturday night, 11 p.m. Pacific. 2 a.m. Eastern, yes, we want you long for a ride. This is Straight Out of Vegas, the pregame show you always wanted. Now, the show is designed to preview the NFL slate and kickoff for Sunday's games is less than 12 hours away. But as we come to you live from the Geico Fox Sports Radio studios, let's first take a quick look at some of the current happenings before we dive into the NFL. Jimmy Butler's on his way to Philadelphia. By the way, they're now down to 16-1 to to win the NBA title. They were 30-1 to before the trade. Okay, the final four, college football. Let's take a quick roll call of the current college football final four. You got Bama, Clemson, Notre Dame, and Michigan. Well, apparently Bama did not look ahead of the Citadel. They win 24 to nothing. Well, you know, I'll tell you what. Let's just do this. The top four teams won by a total of 108 points. 
right? Nothing to see here. Let's just move along, and we'll pick it up next week. But there are a couple of things, okay? And, I mean, I walk into the... I walk into a sports book the other day, and I got a Michigan shirt on. I got a lot of Michigan gear from my days back there. And this guy walks up to me and says, yeah, man, Michigan, they're the one team that could beat Bama. I'm like, come on, man. I am telling you, that, that's not going to happen, even if they play. First of all, Michigan would be probably a 14, 14-and-a-half-point 14 dog on a neutral against Bama. I will tell you, Carly Ray Jepsen will re-record the Gilligan's Island theme song and sell them in copies before Michigan beats Bama. But... Here's the kicker. What if Michigan wins out, they beat Ohio State, they win the Big Ten uh, Conference Championship game. We now know that'll be against Northwestern if Michigan makes it that far. But Georgia beats Bama. Most tell me Michigan could, actually most tell me Georgia could slide in and Michigan could fall out. Or even if that doesn't happen, most tell me Michigan could slide ahead of Notre Dame even though the Irish beat them head to head. So, I'm going to talk about this later. Just sit tight on that. Tonight, we also continue our new 10-second feature, While You Were Sleeping with Our Own Sleepy J. See, while you're sleeping, the Straight Out of Vegas staff is working 24-7 to find ways so you can distress your bookie and impress your fans. And if you were listening last week, Sleepy had a couple of good ones. He, He predicted the Jets would wilt in the heat against Miami, and they did. Miami covered, and he had a really solid take on the New Orleans Saints game, and you saw what happened there. Two for two last week. Great job, Sleepy. Also, again, tonight at the bottom of the hour, another commentary. I'll take you inside the Fratto House for my weekly commentary. I'm going to take the current college football playoff format to the woodshed in my weekly commentary, and I'll offer up some thoughts on what I would do with the current system to solve some of these problems and what-if ruminations. All right. We have a Thursday night football recap, and some things to get to. Before we look ahead, let's look back really quickly because there are some excellent takeaways from the Thursday night game. And if you watch that game, Pittsburgh looked very impressive. They've now won five in a row, covered five in a row. And in this first cut tonight, RJ comments on the biggest question mark for the Steelers as they were heading into 2018. And by the way, Take a listen to Fezzik as well, because they comment on the Steelers' improvement in certain key areas as the season has progressed. Let's take a listen. Steelers' defense. That was the big question mark entering the year. A lot of talent, a lot of youth. I was surprised early on, struggling. But boy, since September, Steelers have not given up more than 21 points. Now listen, in 2018, it's easy to give up points in the NFL, All those games, 21 or less, yielded big thumbs up. Yardage-wise, very good Steeler defense also. Exceptional. The league average right now compared to how the Steelers have been playing the last five games, the Steelers are giving up 90 fewer yards than the league average. That is outstanding. So 90 fewer yards per game since when? During the past five games, so since the end of September. Wow. Wow. The Steelers have not allowed 21 points or more per game since September. And their yards allowed per game in the past several weeks has dropped dramatically. Another key takeaway from Thursday's game between the Steelers and Panthers is the home road dichotomy for Carolina. Carolina, they're 5-0 and at home. And by the way, they're only 1-3 and on the road, and they're giving up over 10 more points on the road than they are at home. By the way. Carolina gets to go back on the road next week. They visit Detroit. 
But we're not done with the Steelers. There was a big takeaway that Fezzik noticed in terms of the discipline that the Steelers have shown, particularly Thursday night. Let's have a listen. What a game for the Steelers, Fez. The average fan is going to say, that's that Pittsburgh team I expected. What's your takeaway? My number one takeaway was how good they were in penalties, believe it or not, RJ. They only committed one penalty. Now, let's think about this. The Steelers have all that talent, but they typically are undisciplined. They make mistakes, and they're right at the bottom of the league, giving up nine penalties a game. The fact that they could blow out Carolina, and we didn't see all the dumb celebration penalties and the undisciplined penalties, and they played a complete game. I was super impressed. I think that's a great takeaway because it's more than penalties are bad. It's additionally penalties are indicative of sloppiness, of not being buttoned up, as Colin Cowher would say. Colin, by the way, world premiere exclusive, bottom of the hour, his pick number six. He has his blazing five. We get straight out of Vegas pick number six first exclusively bottom of the hour. So it's like, okay, Pittsburgh has a ton of talent, but they're too loose. It's too much shenanigans, too much lack of discipline. You're saying on a short week, especially seeing a very disciplined Steeler team gives you cause for optimism. Absolutely. These are not the Steelers that I'm used to watching, RJ. One penalty in a 30-point route of the Carolina Panthers. Give it up to the Steelers. Now, very disciplined in terms of not getting unnecessary flags. The least penalized team in the league, that's Pittsburgh, they were not sloppy in any way. And you know what? You have to think of penalties as giving a team free yardage, free first downs, free additional possessions. You can't do that in the NFL. Thursday's game, the numbers bear this out. Pittsburgh ended up with 457 yards of offense and 52 points. Carolina, 240 yards and 21 points. Steelers, one penalty. That's it. And it was for 24 yards. That's it. So you always hear about winning the turnover battle. How about winning the penalty battle? So for future reference, the Steelers are not only buttoned up, they're dressed for success. By the way, next up, they go to Jacksonville. Keep an eye on the Steelers team. They become a cover machine. They're running the ball. They're playing defense. And as R.J. and Fezzik said, they're not giving teams any free breaks, only one penalty last week. All right, let's move ahead to the great city of Cleveland where the Browns are catching six. That's the latest line against the visiting Atlanta Falcons. Now, the Browns, well, they surprisingly lead the NFL in one very important statistical category, and they actually lead it by a wide margin. But what's more flabbergasting is the fact that the Browns have not been able to take advantage of their success in this area, certainly not, certainly not in the win column. This is really an indictment of how bad the Browns really are. They've only won two games all season in spite of their success in this one particular area. And I want you to listen closely to RJ's dissertation because he raises a very important question about this team, the aforementioned Cleveland Browns. Let's have a listen. The Browns are plus 11 in turnovers, meaning they've gotten 11 more turnovers than they've given up. That's number one in the NFL. Browns are 2-6-1 straight up. If you take the nine other NFL teams that are plus four or better in turnovers, so the Browns are plus 11, that's the best. There's nine teams plus four or better. So they're in that category of good net turnover. 
Browns are the best in that turnover, 2-6-1. and one. Those other nine teams that are good, when they don't play each other, because obviously one team has to win, one loses, you throw it out. Those teams are 50-13 and 13 straight up. So what's that telling you? Turnovers mean so much. If you get the ball, you can't, it's hard to lose. Those teams that aren't near as good as the Browns collectively, plus four or better, 50-13. and 13. Browns, the best at plus 11, are 2-6-1. and one. How bad are the Browns? Let's give this some perspective. Now, each NFL team has approximately 11.8 possessions on offense per game. Cleveland, as RG just said, they're plus 11 in turnovers this season. That means an extra 11 possessions for them versus their competitors thus far in the season. Well, part of the problem, why, I mean, why can't Cleveland take advantage of this? Well, their defense is actually 100 yards per game worse than last year's team, and that team didn't win a game. But I'll tell you, hold your nose and take a hard look at the Browns this week. The Falcons are allowing almost five yards per game on the ground per carry, and they're actually 0-8 against the spread against AFC foes in their last eight games. And the Browns, they're actually 7-1 and against the spread after three straight losses when facing teams under 500. And wouldn't you know it, the Brownies are home dogs again. As I said, hold your nose. One more time, why not? I actually think the Browns might be the side here. What does it mean when Geico says just 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance? It means you probably should have gone to Geico.com 15 minutes ago. This is straight out of Vegas. R.J. Bell is out. I'm Bernie Fratto, coming to you live from the Geico Fox Sports Radio Studios. Up next, another week of high-flying offenses. But let's take a quick break. This is the pregame show you always wanted. So don't go away. You're listening to Straight Out of Vegas. Straight Out of Vegas! Back on Straight Out of Vegas, the pregame show you always wanted. I'm Bernie Fratto. Coming up, we've got Bucks, Redskins, Green Bay, Miami, and Saints, Bengals. But first, let's throw it to Sleepy Jay for another While You Were Sleeping vignette. All right, Bernie, Dolphins have to travel to Green Bay to take on the Packers this week. Forecasted temperatures in Green Bay at kickoff, 30 degrees. It's been 85 in Miami all week. That's a 55-degree difference here for the Dolphins. And note this, Bernie, Packers are playing a very rare late afternoon game. The sun will be down. Temperature's probably going to dip into the 20s. I think there's a small advantage here for the Packers weather-wise. Ah, I smell a rat here. The Packers move it to a later game. They rarely do that, Sleepy Jay. They want it even colder for the Dolphins. Interesting. Discover. Become a new card member, and Discover card will match all the cash back you've earned dollar for dollar at the end of your first year. Learn more at discover.com forward slash match. Limitations apply. All right, on to Tampa Bay where the Bucks are minus three against the visiting Washington Redskins. And the Redskins limp into Tampa Bay this week, and there are just simply some things you cannot overcome in the NFL. RJ explained what happens when you have a cluster and the fact that you can't fool the opposing team and you can't even fool the betting market. Let's take a listen. This is simple. Cluster injuries on the O-line for the skins. You can't overcome them. There's names you probably don't know. Replacing one lineman. 
Yeah, you can do it. Put the tight end over there. You can compensate. Multiple linemen, you can't. Redskins right now, the fact this line is three is saying that Tampa's as good, equal, because home field's worth three, and Tampa's at home. That's telling you the market knows the skins are so decimated on the O-line. That's important. Injuries are big in the NFL. And for starters, by the way, the Redskins, though, got to be fair, they're 4-0 straight up against the spread after a straight-up loss. But unfortunately, as RJ said, the Skins O-line is a mass unit, and that's a huge problem. So you want an angle for this game? The Skins are coming off a straight-up loss as a favorite. And our main man, Ryan Fitzmagic, is 7-1 when facing teams in this situation. So without anybody to protect Alex Smith, it's hard to see how the Redskins could win or even hang this short number. You might find some real value this week with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. All right, a game that uh, Sleepy just talked about, the uh, Packers, well, they're home. They're laying 10 against the visiting Miami Dolphins. By the way, Packers 3-4-1 and one at the midway point. We're, I mean, we're a couple weeks from Thanksgiving. Imagine that. Aaron Rodgers. Wow. Under 500. But if you're feeling saucy, the Packers are now 50-1 to one to win the Super Bowl. But let's focus on this game because Green Bay is making history with this line in terms of its size. And the number they're laying against the Dolphins, think about this. Listen to the incredulous tone in RJ's voice. And oh, by the way, the holiday reference in the weather report by Steve Fezzik. And the hard fact that just because you're a 500 team or over a 500 team, it doesn't mean you're any good. That's a real mouthful there. Let's have a listen. Green Bay Packers are a 10-point favorite, 9.5 or 10, at home against Miami. Now, our NFL database goes back 30 years. It's the first time ever after the midway point of the season, so you're past the halfway part, that a team below 500, that's Green Bay, is favored by over 9 points or more, against a team above 500, Miami. So, Fez, we've been debating this game. Think about that. No time ever. So we're saying Green Bay must be the best ever under 500 team or Miami must be the worst ever over 500 team or Green Bay's laying too much. Which one is it? Miami's a pretty darn poor over 500 team, but they're Real. not the most overrated over 500 team in history. We've been debating this one. Are you starting to come around a little bit that maybe, just maybe, Miami's got some value? You know, I I don't want you to look at me like I'm your crazy uncle at Thanksgiving, but I still think that when that temperature's 35 degrees and they got that Florida team, I'm very reluctant to back them in 30. the cold. 35 degrees, that, that might be generous tomorrow. We'll see, I guess. But look, the larger point, it's hard to believe the pack is under 500 at the midway point of the season. You've got a Hall of Fame quarterback, but let's give you a little clue here. Here's a clue. The pack defense ranks 29th in the league, and they've allowed 30-plus points in four of their last six games. Ouch. But I think this is going to be a get-right game for Aaron Rodgers and company. They're coming off a loss, and his counterpart, Brock Osweiler, is coming off a win. <laughs> well, in these spots... Rodgers is 5-1 straight up and 5-0-1 against the spread when facing an AFC opponent. I just don't think the Packers fall to 3-5. and five. Do they cover the 10? Well, I sure wouldn't want to take the 10. Okay, 
Let's head to Cincinnati, another cold weather site. The Bengals catching five and a half against the visiting New Orleans Saints. Now, the Saints are really riding high. They're riding a seven-game winning streak since dropping their opener to Fitzmagic. That seems like forever ago. But is this a potential landmine for New Orleans and Cincinnati? Well, probably not because the Bengals have failed to take advantage recently of a situation over 20 other NFL teams have had when they were afforded the same advantage. How's that for a tease? Well, RJ spells it out. He'll fill in the blanks with what I just teased. Let's take a listen. Faz, I got a feeling we're going to be disagreeing with this one later. Here's my main point. NFL teams that are plus four in turnovers in a given game. Imagine four interceptions versus zero, no fumbles. Those teams covered the spread 22 straight times before the Bengals were plus four against Tampa Bay last game they played and they couldn't cover the spread. So if you tell me, here's a situation that benefits the Bengals, the 22 straight NFL teams have won with, and the Bengals against the spread lose, that means the Bengals aren't near as good as some people think. I'm not naming any names. It starts with an F, though. Well, let's start with an eyebrow-raising stat. The Bengals are 8-1-1 straight up and 10-0 against the spread as home underdogs versus NFC opponents. And this is a classic sandwich game for the high-flying Saints, who are now currently the number one seed in the NFC. Now, they beat the Rams last week, the Saints did, and they've got the defending world champs next week. Plus, Cincinnati's coming off a bye week, and frankly, this is a playoff game for the Bengals. Now, unfortunately... The Bengals have got the worst defense in the league. They're last in yards per game allowed, passing yards per game allowed, and third down percentage. In fact, teams are converting an amazing 60% on third down versus the Bengals. The good news, <laughs> they're only 30th in the league in points allowed, 30 per game. This is a game I'll pass. It's tempting to take the points, but why get in front of Hall of Fame quarterback Dubreez if you don't have to? Listen, I've got a bonus game here because it's a game I feel strongly about. The Lions visit Chicago. Chicago's laying six and a half points. I think this is a bad line. Okay, look. Matt Stafford was sacked 10 times last week in Minnesota, and he was hit more than Rocky Balboa. 17 hits, actually, if you're scoring at home. But meanwhile, the Bears put up 40 points on Buffalo, but they only gained 190 yards of offense. What's wrong with this picture? As I said earlier, I think the line is bad. The look behind, excuse me, the look ahead line last week was three and a half. But everybody saw what happened to the Lions in Minnesota and what the Bears did to the Bills. Classic overreaction to what you saw last. But Stafford and company, here's the good news. They're nine and one straight up in their last ten in this series. By the way, they've won three in a row. And Chicago is merely one and six against the spread after scoring 40 or more points in their previous game. Now, the Bears somehow lead the AFC North by two full games. So how do they perform from that lofty perch? You know, Shakespeare once said, heavy is the head who wears the crown. I actually think the Lions are a very live dog here. I think I'm going to go ahead and, and, uh, and take the points. All right, up next, I'm going to have for you my weekly commentary. I'm going to take you inside the Fratto House, and I'm absolutely going to take this college football playoff format 
to the woodshed. But first, let's go to Kevin Figures with the latest. All right, much appreciated. We'll start with college football, where every team in the top 10 did win on Saturday. Top-ranked Alabama notching a shutout win over number 16 Mississippi State as Tua Tungavailoa had a touchdown pass. Number two, Clemson got 295 yards passing and two scores from Trevor Lawrence. They would notch a 27-7 road victory over 17th-ranked Boston College. Number three, Notre Dame, they ran over for over 360 yards. They blew out Florida State. Michigan and Georgia would blow out victories as well. Oklahoma outlasted Oklahoma State in Bedlam. 48 to 47. Online car shopping can be confusing, not anymore with True Price from True Car. Now you can know the exact price you'll pay for your next car, so visit True Car to enjoy a more confident car buying experience. In the NBA, the Lakers beat the Kings 101 to 86. Dallas snapped Oklahoma City's seven-game win streak. Warriors were without Steph Curry, Draymond Green, and Sean Livingston, but still beat Brooklyn 116 to 100. Wins for the Wizards, Spurs, and Pelicans. Memphis beat the shorthanded 76ers in overtime. Philly playing a few men down as they bench Dario Saric, Robert Covington, and Jared Bayless all of whom are central figures in the Jimmy Butler trade, which is expected to become official early next week. Back to straight out of Vegas. Hang on, Kevin. Question for you, buddy. Sure. Yes or no? Do you like the current college football playoff format? I do not. Okay. Let's go to my man Ryan Dennis. Same question. Yes or no? Do you like the current college football playoff format? I wouldn't be opposed to maybe going to six, but I would say yes. All right. Let's see. We got one yes, one no. All right, folks. Time for my weekly commentary inside the Frater House. Wake the kids, alert the neighbors, grandpa, put on pants. Here we go. All I want for Christmas is a college football playoff system. So next month, I'm headed to the mall to stalk Santa Claus. He's going to get an earful. Now, don't tell me what we have now is a real college football playoff system. This current format has all the credibility of a dermatologist with acne. This is nothing more than an orchestrated charade. For starters, there are five power conferences and only four playoff spots. Why? What's the thinking? That's like a birthday party with no cake. Meanwhile, the selection process is capricious. It's arbitrary. It's a man crush on the SEC. Bama doesn't make the SEC championship game? No problem. They're in. Penn State beats Ohio State? The Buckeyes fail to make it to the Big Ten championship game? Not to worry. They're in anyway. So... Why bother deciding these things on the field? Heck, Boise State would never beat Oklahoma or Oregon twice, and UCF would never beat Auburn. Wait, what? See, now I could go on. But if I had my own playoff system, and don't push me, I might start one someday. Here's what I'd do. My solution would extend the entire tournament exactly one additional weekend. That's it. I don't want to hear any more about students and finals. People always think, that if you added another playoff layer, it would extend the season into mid-January. It wouldn't have to. Here's why. Haven't you noticed when we get to December, the games grind to a halt, and we wait, and we wait, and we wait some more. We keep waiting. Shut up. You're not done waiting. And then all the bowl season starts. Yeah, man. Can't wait for that Astro Blue Bonnet Bowl. It's only 46 days away. Well, how about we interject some common sense and use those empty weeks in December to begin my Bernie Fratto playoff system format? So for starters... The top five should be formatted and slotted. That is to say, if you advance to your conference championship game and win it, i.e. Pac-12, Big Ten, Big 12, ACC, and SEC, you're in. No questions asked. In the current format, one of the Power Five teams is out, regardless of their worthiness. What if someday there are five undefeated teams, one from each Power Five conference? 
one would have to stay home under the current format. As Judge Schmales would say, you get nothing and like it. Here's where it gets better. I would also invite three at-large teams based on their body of work. See, this opens the door for the erstwhile Boise States, the UCFs, whatever. It also keeps the door open for a Power 5 team who might find themselves on the outside looking in due to an outlier technicality. Now, at mid-December, the first round would begin based on seedings. Eight would play one, seven would play two. Well, you get the picture. Play a quadruple header extravagance on a Saturday. America would be glued to the TV. After the opening round, now you'd have a true Final Four. And you can resume again on New Year's Day with a semifinal doubleheader, followed by the championship game 10 days later, just like you do now. So was that so hard? Now, I realize the college football gods, well, they don't want to do anything to diminish the regular season. They want those September games to be meaningful. But that's practicing psychology without a license. It's against the law, by the way. What are they worried about? People will stop watching on TV? Yeah, right. Frankly, it's an opportunity for many more viewers thanks to the inevitable massive betting handles. My idea would work, and it would eliminate the Michigas I talked about at the top of the hour. Well, but of course, as Dennis Miller might say, it's just my opinion. I could be wrong. All right, let's head back to the NFL. And the Seahawks, well, they visit the Rams. The Rams laying, the, the, the line was 10 most of the week. I understand it's down to 9.5 right now, 9.5. And, and this is the biggest dog the Seahawks have been in the Russell Wilson era. Only three times in their history have they been seven-point dogs. And Pete Carroll's bunch covered all three times. Meanwhile, the Rams, well, they've only won by more than 10 points once in the last six weeks. And they've got Kansas City and New Mexico next week. Just saying, but in the handicapping this game, Fezzik points out a scheduling peccadillo, which could really cause a real distraction. So as a result, RJ has a side he really loves. Let's have a listen. Seattle, LA Rams. Seattle is a 10-point underdog in that game. Fez, what's your handicap? Who do you like? Yeah, and I actually gave this out Tuesday. AWOL, you gave it out for me as my early release play. I was on Seattle, plus 10. Whole lot of reasons to like it. Number one, scheduling. Seattle, a whole lot fresher. Seattle has had a bye this year. Contrast that with the Rams. Four of five games on the road. Yes, they get to play a home game here, but they're distracted this week with the fires going on, and they're also distracted having that showdown in Mexico City. That's huge. That's huge. That's the marquee game of the year, perhaps. Certainly one of them. And when you're a double-digit favorite, you're not used to being a double-digit favorite. The Rams aren't yet. Like the Patriots, like the Steelers, a longtime good team. How much do you give this game to win while saving enough for altitude in Mexico City, which is about fatigue oftentimes? I love Seattle here. I've bet them plus 10. RG's been hot. You might want to listen. And now that the Rams have lost the game, how do they respond? Is the bloom off the rose? Meanwhile, Seattle has really dominated this series. In fact, the Seahawks are 13-4 and straight up, 15-2 and against the spread, dating back to the 90s, when Seattle faces the Rams while sporting a losing record. Plus, in the last 20 years, teams that start the season winning eight straight, where they're only 5-8 and eight against the spread, in the game following the first loss. Man, that's a lot of points to give a still pesky Seahawks team. You know, at the very worst case, that back door is going to stay open. 
We're coming to you live from the Geico Fox Sports Radio studios where it's easy to save 15% or more on car insurance with Geico. Go to geico.com or simply call 800-947-AUTO. That's A-U-T-O. The only hard part, figuring out which way is easier. All right, let's head to Tennessee. The uh, Titans are hosting the Patriots. They're catching six and a half. And, of course, the Pats won last week without Sony Michelle and Rob Gronkowski, and they've averaged 36 points a game since week four. Tops in the league. RJ and Fezzik weighed in on this game. Let's have a listen. Patriots have historically been awesome as a big road favorite. So let's define that as six points or more on the road. But the last three games they've been that, and that's what they are here, they've lost two of the three. In the prior 39 games, the Patriots were favored by six or more on the road. They lost two. So think about that a second. Two losses in this spot out of 39. Then, though, in the last three, they've lost two or three. Maybe a small sample size. Maybe a canary in a coal mine of a bigger problem. And that Titan offense is undervalued. Hey, I get it. Their stats year-to-date on offense look lousy, but that's all about Mariota, who was injured early in the year, missed a couple of games, and then had to play three games when he was completely limited with nerve damage. Well, after last week's double-digit win over Green Bay, the Pats are now 33-13 and in their last 46 as a favorite. This is one rare spot where you might want to consider grabbing the points. Tennessee is 7-0 as a home dog coming off a road win, and their defense ain't bad. In fact, they're giving up 50 less yards per game than New England. And actually, they should be able to run the ball against the Patriots' somewhat soft run defense. By the way, for the second week in a row, no Rob Gronkowski for the Patriots. Great news. There's a quick way you can save money. Switch to Geico. Go to geico.com and in 15 minutes, you could save 15% or more on car insurance. This is straight out of Vegas. R.J. Bell is off. I'm Bernie Fratto coming to you live from the Geico Fox Sports Radio studios. This is the pregame show you've always wanted. So don't go away. You're listening to Straight Out of Vegas. Straight Out of Vegas! This program brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Last year, over 3 million drivers switched to Progressive. Call 1-800-PROGRESSIVE or visit Progressive.com today and find out if you could save. Back on Straight Out of Vegas, the pregame show you always wanted. I'm Bernie Fratto. Let's keep it moving. But first, wait, wait, wait. Huge props to my guys back in Los Angeles. Ryan Dennis, Kevin Figures, Vincent Close, and Iowa Sam doing a great job keeping us glued together, turning all the dials, and as usual, great job, guys. All right, let's head to New York. I guess I didn't think it was kind of an in-state battle. The Jets host the Bills. Amazingly, the Jets lay in seven and a half. There seems to be a theme this week. The, but, you know, the line on this game is, once again, history in the making. Jets meet a certain criteria that rears its ugly head later in the season. Now, this is why the pro's perspective is so valuable. Before you plunk down any shekels, pay attention to what R.J. Bell says here. Let's have a listen. And to me, this is history in the following way. If you have a team in the NFL week four or later with a win percentage below 35%. So why week four or later? Because if you're all in one, it doesn't tell you much. But if you get into the season, worse than 35% winning percentage, favored by a touchdown or more, only 43% against the spread. 54 winners, 70 losers. Jets, 
meet that criteria. What's the logic? Well, why would such a bad team be favored? Well, because in theory, the other team is even worse. But one of our basic premises, it's never as bad as it seems in the NFL. Now, Peterman, he may, <laughs> he may prove us wrong in general, but history says you don't want to lay the lumber with the Jets. Boy, no wonder they started a GoFundMe account for Nathan Peterson's retirement in Buffalo. His passer rating is 32.5, but amazingly, the Jets are north of a touchdown favorite, even though they're coming off back-to-back, straight up, and against the spread losses. Adding to this Rubik's Cube aspect of this game, the Bills, they're actually 11-1 against the spread as road dogs of more than three points when their opponent is coming off back-to-back losses. Oh, by the way, Starting a quarterback for the Bills, Matt Barkley. I want nothing to do with this game. Moving along, nothing to see here. By the way, the Rams, we talked about them earlier in the show. What a great season they've had. But, you you know, what if I told you they've only covered once in their last six games? R.J. Bell talks about how the Rams have fared against the spread in the last month and a half. It's got some interesting points. Let's have a listen. And think about the Rams. Far exceeded expectations so far. Last six games. They've covered once, one winner, five times not winning if you bet the Rams. So it doesn't mean they're going to lose for sure here, but just because the Rams are good certainly doesn't mean they're a good bet. And history certainly says that. And the best example, finally, New England, undefeated year up to the Giants in the Super Bowl, last nine games, eight and one straight up, New England, one and eight against the spread. Even a team that good couldn't overcome those Bad bookies making the good teams expensive. Here's some data to back RJ's point. The Rams are only 3-14 and 14 against the spread when they're favored against a division opponent. When they beat that opponent in their first matchup, remember, this is their matchup here. They, they played the uh, Seahawks earlier in the year. And the Rams are 0-5 in this situation if they're coming off a loss, which they are. So the more I think about it, this is simply a, a bad line the Rams are laying, I think. Straight Out of Vegas is brought to you by Discover. Discover card. We treat you like you'd treat you. All right, let's move along. The Eagles, back from their London bye week, they're, they're laying seven against the Cowboys. By the way, the Cowboys own four on the road this year, averaging a mere 13 points per game. You know, sometimes teams get better during the season, and the world champs might be finding the rhythm. RJ and Fezzik tell you why. And what the key has been to why the Eagles might finally be trending upward. Plus, Fresick reevaluates his opinion on America's team and why he may have changed his mind now, as opposed to how he felt about them uh, earlier in the year. So, this is what the pros do they're constantly reevaluating so as to find the sharpest edge. And that's exactly what Fresick does here. Let's take a listen. Philadelphia won the London game, looked good there. But if you look at the stats, This team is playing the Eagles as well as any point during the season. And I don't think any, you know, the average fan sees that. Yeah, it's a great point. Consistent improvement for the Eagles. What's going on? Bad quarterback play in September. Foles was the quarterback first two games. Wasn't very good. Uh Uh-oh. Let's get Wentz in there. Rushed him back. He wasn't ready to go. He had two subpar games in September. Since then, this Eagles offense has been clicking. Yeah, and I mean, if you look at yards per attempt for Wentz, which is, are you going downfield? Because oftentimes, and we saw this with Tannehill, 
your yardage can look good in a game or two because of yards after the catch. But if you look at yards per attempt and then account for yards after the catch over a season, because most teams are going to be in a general range, so you don't even have to account for it oftentimes, Wentz is going downfield, which is what he was best at last year, the third and eight type conversions, the typical field general, the typical game manager wasn't able to do, Wentz was able to do last year in a borderline MVP season before he got hurt. When he came back, not as much, but that stat kept improving as he's gotten healthier and more confident, more aggressive, and the team's play calling the Eagles got more aggressive. So as you look at this game, Dallas is a team, and we'll be easy on you on this one, Dallas is a team, quite frankly, that you had some strong... We won't even repeat what you said. You had some strong feelings about their defense. I think you've reevaluated. Absolutely. And I went back, and sometimes, you know, you got to check your ego at the door, and sometimes you're just wrong. I had Dallas's defense highly rated. I took a look at who Dallas has played year to date, and as it turns out, they've not played one elite offense, and that made their overall statistics better than they really have been year to date. And now we got more concerns. Sean Lee, my middle linebacker that I've been stressing how important he is. I think he's more important than the marketplace does. But bottom line is... Him and Des Bryant, how do you compare the importance? (laughs) (laughs) Sean Lee is more important, but Sean Lee is out till week 14 now. So that's not going to help matters as well. Two teams going in opposite direction. All right. Well, the Eagles are off the London by trip. And there's a lot of data on these London trips now. In fact, teams are 16-3-1 and three and one against the spread in these situations, and I feel like the Eagles draw a line in the sand here. Remember, the Cowboys have to regroup after a Monday night loss, and they head on the road to a team that's been resting a week. If that's not enough, in the last 11 years, Super Bowl defending champs, whether well, 9-2 against the spread and straight up coming off a bye week, finally, the Cowboys, they're a mere 1-6 against the division uh, foe who's had an extra week of rest. Fly, Eagles, fly. I actually think Philly rolls this week. Think about what RJ and Fezzik said a minute ago about this. All right, folks, that's going to do it for tonight's edition of Straight Out of Vegas. I'm Bernie Fratto. Don't go anywhere. Up next, move over, Khabib. This guy not only wrestled a bear when he was six years old, he pinned the bear. Yup, it's my man, Jonas Knox. Straight Out of Vegas! At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bed 365 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying... A, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, love at first, first listen. listen. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. With new segments, correspondence, and a new sound. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Dura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. 
to the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Do you love Selena? Like, really love? Whether you saw her live, saw the movie as a kid, or saw her looks all over TikTok, there's no shortage of reasons to stand the Queen of Tejano. And Stan, we do over three whole episodes of our podcast, Becoming an Icon. We're reminiscing as lifelong Selena fans, sharing hot takes and telling her story. Listen to Becoming an Icon on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search Becoming an Icon.